This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Well, today we continue in our series called Building a Better Future. In these lessons, Pastor Rick shares how we can build a foundation for a better future by following the examples of leaders in the Bible who followed God's calling to rebuild after a time of captivity. Well, you've probably noticed the more grateful a person is, the happier they are. That's the power of gratitude. But it's not always easy to feel grateful. That's why Pastor Rick developed a great new resource called The Power of Gratitude. Go to PastorRick.com to find out more or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part one of a message called Getting People to Work Together. If you want to know God's way to build anything or rebuild anything, you're going to want to study the book of Nehemiah, which is the story of one of the greatest building projects in the history of humanity. It was completed in record time. Now today, we're going to look at the third chapter of Nehemiah. So get out your teaching notes. Many of you know uh, that uh, I wrote a book many years ago. In fact, it was the first book I ever wrote as a young man called How to Study the Bible for Yourself. And one of the keys to understanding the Bible, any chapter, is to first pay attention to what are the key words in that chapter. Key words are often repeated over and over. And in chapter three of Nehemiah, there are four key words and several key phrases. And we're gonna look at all of them in this message today. Using different translations, for instance, we discover that the word built is used 30 times in this chapter. The word rebuilt is used 29 times. The word repaired is used 31 times. And the word worked is used 24 times. Those are key words. So if you want to build anything, or you want to rebuild anything, or you want to repair anything, or you want to get people to work together, you need to know and use the principles of chapter three of Nehemiah. Now you remember that in our last study together, I pointed out that to fulfill any dream God puts in your heart, you're gonna have to enlist other people to help you, okay? You can't do it yourself. You'll never reach your dream by yourself. God wired us to need each other. No one ever succeeds on their own. So last time we looked in Nehemiah chapter two at seven principles that Nehemiah used to enlist an all volunteer army, helpers, workers, to rebuild the wall around the city of Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem had been destroyed by conflict, war, and neglect. Conflict and neglect. Now, by the way, conflict and neglect can make you vulnerable and make you defenseless too. So if you missed that message on how to enlist the help of others, you can watch it online. But once you've recruited some people to help you with your dream and build a better future, you also have to know how to get them to work together. And that's a whole different issue. You might get some friends to help you with your dream, but will they know how to work together? You know, one of the reasons I believe the world is in such a bad shape these days because people don't know how to work together anymore. They work against each other instead of working with each other. And so as we look around in the world, we see the problems are just getting worse. 
What we're going to look at today is a skill that you need. You need it to succeed in life. Business studies and and home studies show that the number one factor in getting promoted in life is having good people skills. It's the number one factor, having good people skills, being able to work to get other people to work together. In contrast, the number one reason people get fired is poor communication skills, poor people skills, not knowing how to get along with others. So this is a message that you need to take notes on, not just for yourself, but to help other people going through a tough time. Now let's just review the background. The city of Jerusalem was a pile of ruins, destroyed by war and 70 years of neglect while the uh, Jews were held captive in Babylon. God gave Nehemiah the dream of rebuilding a protective wall around the city so it could flourish again. And I just want to say to you that as your pastor, my goal for you in this Building a Better Future series is that you will flourish, that you will flourish again. Now, if you read Nehemiah chapter 3 without any understanding, it just looks like one of those chapters that you want to skip over. Because on the surface, it just looks like a boring list of hard-to-pronounce names and funny-sounding gates. This guy built this part of the wall. This guy built this gate and on that. And and it just doesn't look like something that you're going to get a lot out of. But like in any passage of Scripture, if you dig below the surface, you find treasure. Now, before we get into that, let me show you a map of Jerusalem with the wall and the 10 gates that Nehemiah rebuilt. This is what it looked like when it was all finished. All of these gates and the wall are mentioned in chapter three. And he starts at the north part of the town, up there with the sheep gate, see that in chapter three, verse one. And then he begins to go counterclockwise to the fish gate, the old gate, the valley gate, the dung gate, fountain gate, water gate. By the way, that's the only mention of politics in scripture, the water gate, we know what happened there. The horse gate, the east gate, and the inspection gate. Now, I I wish I had time to explain all those gates uh, and why they were named what they were, but I wanna get right to the point. Jerusalem is built on a steep hill, actually several steep hills, with deep valleys on either side. And in chapter three, Nehemiah reports who built each part of the wall and who built each of the 10 different gates. Now, right now you're probably thinking, how in the world does this chapter relate to me today? And again, as I said earlier, the answer is because beneath the surface of this chapter, God gives us an example, an amazing example of how to get people to work together. If you're going to be a success in life, you're going to need other people's help and you're going to know how, need to know how to help people work together. Nehemiah in this passage models six principles. Yeah, six principles. You can apply to any dream that you have to build something or to rebuild something in your family, in your career, in your personal life, in your church, in your ministry, whatever. Now, these principles, these six principles will affect whether the rest of your life is a success or a failure. So I really wanna encourage you to write this down. Okay, let's get right into these six steps. Number one, when God has given you a dream, we've talked about that in previous messages. When God has given you a dream, the first step to getting other people involved is to divide the dream 
into smaller goals and tasks. Divide the big dream that you're given into smaller goals and tasks. Nehemiah broke down a huge dream into manageable chunks. Now, in the contemporary English version of Nehemiah, the scripture, uh, the word section is used 28 times in 32 verses. Repeatedly, it says, the next section was built by so-and-so. Now, what's a section? Well, a definition of a section is a smaller part of a whole. Uh, now, Nehemiah had to think through how he's going to take this big goal, build a wall all around Jerusalem, and break it down into manageable chunks, into sections. That took some thinking. It took some planning. And it probably was during that midnight ride that we looked at uh, last week. I don't want to go into this because I think you understand it, but you know what? I still have the chart that I developed in 1979 before starting Saddleback Church with just K. And what I did is I took a 40-year dream and I broke it down into 480 monthly goals. I still have that chart. 480 monthly goals, 40 years divided on a monthly basis, figuring out what it would take each month to get where I believe God wants us to be. That's the first step. You break the dream. You divide the dream into smaller goals and tasks. Here's number two. You must let others share the ownership, share ownership of the dream. Your dream, if it's ever going to be accomplished, must become our dream. Other people have to share in the dream for it to happen. You know, in 1980, uh, with no members yet, I wrote an open letter to the community sharing a dream of a brand new church that we were going to call Saddleback Church, but I never used the personal pronoun I. Instead, I used the word we. In that letter that we hand addressed and hand stamped and mailed out to 13,000 people, uh, I never used the word I, I used the word we. Now, here's the funny thing. When I wrote that letter, we had not even had a first service, so there was no we. <laughs> it was just me and Kay. But I wrote it in faith. And the first, in that first service, when 205 people showed up at the first service, me became we, and we never looked back. Do you realize that our church today, all around the world, it, it exists because of shared ownership, this second principle. Everything in our church has been built by millions of hours of serving, given voluntarily by volunteers, and millions of dollars given voluntarily out of love. That's shared ownership. Saddleback would not exist if we had had to pay everything that we were trying to do. It's done by, I'm a volunteer. I've served this church for free for 42 years. Now, you know, I can always tell who is a member of our church and who's an attender church by how they talk about our church. Attenders will walk up to me in the grocery store and say, you know, Rick, I love your church. Members will walk up to me and say, Rick, I love our church. Get the difference? It's our, it's we. Now, if you're going to pay people to help you with your dream, they don't need to own the dream. They're just hired hands. But if you're going to use other people that you're not paying 
for, uh, to fulfill the dream. Like Saddleback Church, you have to share ownership if you're building with volunteers. And you do that by showing how the dream will benefit them, okay? You give ownership by showing them how the dream will benefit them. Now, another key phrase that's used many times in Nehemiah 3 is this phrase, by his own house. If you're taking notes, circle the word own. We're talking about ownership, by his own house. Now, let me just give you a few examples that they're on your outline. Verse 10, Jediah repaired the wall beside his own house, circle own. Verse 17, Hashabiah, I don't know if he bought hash or what, but Hashabiah built the wall in his own district, circle the word own. Verse 28, East Priest made repairs near his own house, see that? And in verse 23, Benjamin and Azariah repaired the wall by their own homes. It's just examples. Now, these last two guys represent every dad who recognizes their responsibility to keep their family safe by building a wall of protection. Now, today you may not need a physical wall, but sadly today, many parents aren't protecting their families from harmful influences. That's our job as parents is to build a wall of protection around our kids. And here's the point. If you're going to have a dream and, you, and it's going to grow, you're going to have to share ownership because you're not paying everybody. Ownership increases motivation. Now, in this case, people began to build the part of the wall behind their own house. People were allowed to work in their area of interest. You know, and they're going, hey, you know what? This part of the wall protects my house, so I'm going to do my best at, at building a good part of the wall. I'm not building somebody else's wall. I'm building the house, the wall behind my house. Of course, this saved time because there's no commuting to work. If you're building the wall behind your house, you walk outside your house in the morning, start building. You don't have to commute anywhere. It's also easier to feed the workers because you, when, you, when you're hungry, you just go inside your house but also you could protect your family at the same time because you're not working in some distant location. People built by their own house. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you missed any part of this message or if you'd like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com where you can listen online anytime. That's Pastor Rick with two R's in the middle dot com. Be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be right back to close out our time today, but first, did you know experts have discovered that gratitude is the healthiest human emotion? It makes you more resistant to stress and increases your overall happiness and satisfaction. You've probably noticed the more grateful a person is, the happier they are. That's the power of gratitude. In fact, the Bible tells us, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. It's clear that God wants us to develop the attitude of gratitude. That's why Pastor Rick developed a brand new Bible study called The Power of Gratitude. This innovative Bible study is filled with scripture, teaching, exercises, quotes, prayers, and journal pages. And as you go through the study, you'll discover many and often unique things you have to be grateful for every day. You'll develop a lifelong habit of expressing gratitude to God, a habit that leads to true happiness and satisfaction. 
We'll send you Pastor Rick's Power of Gratitude Bible Study when you give a gift to help Daily Hope take God's Word to people around the world. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy of this great resource. That's PastorRick.com or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. And thanks so very much for your support. Here's Pastor Rick with a letter from one of our listeners. Hello, everybody. Today I want to share with you the story of Christine, who wrote to me. She says she lost everything, but I want you to listen how God is working in her life now. Christine wrote this to me. Pastor Rick, Daily Hope has brought me out of some truly dark times. Three and a half years ago, my marriage of 13 years ended. My husband was an atheist, and I decided early on in our relationship that he would be my number one priority, not God. And for 13 years, I tolerated being lied to and cheated on and told that believing in God was stupid and foolish. And then he ended it all, and I was left alone with nothing. No friends, no home, no family. And as I was facing a new life on my own, a coworker recommended that I listen to the Daily Hope podcast. And after a few weeks of listening, I got up the nerve to return to church for the first time in over 13 years. It's been challenging starting my life all over again, and I still encounter obstacles almost daily, but I have also grown, and I've healed a lot over the last three years. Now, I continue to listen to the Daily Hope podcast, and I just purchased your book, A Purpose Driven Life. I've been going to church steadily, and I even sing now on our worship team. Had it not been for Daily Hope, I don't know if I would have ever returned to church or to God, but I'm so glad that I did. Thank you, Daily Hope. Well, you know, thanks for writing, Christine. Your your story is a great reminder that God can use any pain in our lives to draw us closer to him if we'll give it to him. And then he can bring good even out of all the bad if we will just trust him. Now, you know, notice that Christine found out about Daily Hope and the podcast because a co-worker shared it when she was facing dark days. It was just a simple act by a friend, simply forwarding a podcast that helped Christine start her journey back to God, and it helped her reconnect with the church family. What a simple step to make such a major change in someone's life. Can you think of somebody in pain right now that you could forward on the Daily Hope podcast to? Can you think of somebody who's suffering, somebody who is questioning, somebody who's in despair? Would you do that for a friend? Would you share Daily Hope with someone in your family or someone at work? I'd like you to just pray and ask God, say, God, show me the people around me that you want to know you. And show me the people that I should share daily hope with. If you do that, I am certain God will show you. He'll bring names and faces to mind. Just try it. God bless you. If you'd like to let Rick know how this broadcast has blessed you, please feel free to send him an email at rick at pastorrick.com. That's rick at pastorrick.com. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope.
This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.